Uh, we don't we don't worry about quality on this show. <laughs> it's just not how it is. Um, Please with mediocrity. Yes. So just do me a favor. Talk for like a brief second. Just about. I don't care. You can just say your name over and over. I'm just going to test our recording levels. My name is Heather Brown Hudson. My dog's name is Percy. He's looking at his penis. It's time for Gabby with Jason. So hit play and settle down. It's best you just call him Jason when they see him around town. He might as well throw the script away. He never follows it anyway. He's trying to find the joy in every to gabbing with Gason. I'm your host, Gason, or as my friends just call me Jason at this point in life, and you should too. We've been going for three seasons now. We're we're in our second episode of season three, which is bizarre because, you know, I don't like to commit to things. That's why I'm single. So, um, but yeah, no, we're, we're, we got the show going and, uh, you know, stay tuned. Uh, we're going to be announcing our third season uh, contest. So uh, probably in May is going to be fun. So that contest is open to guesty besties and to our listeners. So we'll talk more about that and you'll win uh, potentially a fabulous prize. Uh, maybe, I don't know, or you might hate it either way. It doesn't matter, but welcome to the show. We are the home of the 99 cent podcast because that's all the quality of entertainment I can afford to give you and enjoy because again, we don't worry about quality here. We're just us. And yeah, it's been Easter. We had Easter recently for those that celebrate. For those that don't, I'm, you know, cool. It's fine. I don't know. I didn't do, I, I went to my parents' house. We had dinner. It was fine. It was, it was, it was that. It was that. Easter's never been a big holiday for me. I don't know. Um, I have an amazing guesty bestie coming on. Uh, new to the show. That's right. It's not a returning guesty bestie. But something tells me she'll be back again later on for sure. Please welcome Gassy Bessie Heather. Hi. You can say hi now. There you are. I was like, you can say hi now. <laughs> <laughs> how how are you this this early morning? <laughs> I mean, I've poured myself a mini mimosa. And I'm having a Malibu diet. I'm drinking out of my favorite glass. The sun is shining. I woke up on the right side of the bed, I'll tell you what. Oh, that's beyond important. Yeah, normally we record the show at night and you and I have conflicting schedules. And I was like, yeah, we can do it during the day. And you know what? It's okay to have a mimosa during during a, a weekday. That is okay. I, I'm a morning person. I, I've denied this my entire life. And I now have come to realize I am very productive in the morning. So, so, no. so, so be it. Okay. Don't hate um, me for that. I am not. And it takes a lot to wake up. Um, in about 20 minutes, you'll see my energy level change because that's when I'm awake. I'm a mid-afternoon to late evening person. I've always been that way. 
So I don't know. Getting up early just kills me. It's just a lot. <laughs> At work, I'm always like, can we just make people train from like, you know, till midnight? Because that would be easier and you'd get much more energy out of me. But and they'll be, and they'll be compliant because they'll yeah. be asleep. Exactly. It's beautiful. They'll learn while I'm talking because they'll be mm-hmm. sleeping. Mm-hmm. And it would just be, I don't know, it'd be perfect. But yeah, you're my first ever, I'm calling it uh, a brunch guest. Nice. You're the first ever brunch guest. So look at you starting a trend. Mm, I love it. I love my husband. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, we met uh, volunteering for the Pride organization that uh, that that I helped found. And you jumped on and jumped in. And uh, I, I was like, okay, well, we're going to be friends for life, whether you like it or not. And <laughs> um, yeah, so, which is good. Um, because it seems like now I think we're starting to see a lot of Pride organizations starting to come back starting to get back into to the swing of things since COVID. I mean, we've had hardly any festivals here and we have quite a, we have a big festival scene in Missouri when it comes to LGBTQ plus pride. Um, and I think what's also an interesting thing is that a lot of pride orgs are moving away from just doing their celebrations in June, especially here. Cause it's so hot. Right. And now we've got some that are in like October and September yeah, and I'm totally, cool with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Do you feel good with that? Are you good with that? I I, I do. I love it. I um I attended Tower Grove last year, and mm-hmm. um actually uh yeah I I thought that it should be permanently changed because it was such a lovely day, and I was able to spend <laughs> the entire day. Um now you know June does have its own like Pride St Louis will probably never change from June, although I don't know for sure. Um mm-hmm. and that is a whole different conglomerate. Um, of an experience. What a, you know. That's a good but word. Conglomerate. It is. It's, it's, it's a big, it's a big thing. And uh, yeah, I mean, if that's in June and then Tower Grove, which I really enjoyed, I loved, I loved, I loved from beginning to end. I did walk in, I did walk in to Tower Grove Park the opposite way. And hence I thought that there was just a lot of um, lesbian farmers boothing at the Pride day i thought it was like tower grove pride like farmer's edition so i was for sure that this was like something i could really sink my teeth into i was like i can eat from beginning to end here and then i finally got to the end of the farmer's market and realized that wasn't that wasn't pride (laughs) farmer's market that is the best thing i think i've ever heard i you know i've never been to tower grove I was trying to find my girlfriend. I was trying to find Lacey who was tabling with her um, former employer. Um, and she was like, where are you? And I was like, I'm, I see a lot of corn. I see a lot of, little, <laughs> see a lot of little pride flags. And she's like, you're in the farmer's market. Keep walking. And I was with my son. I was with Graham at the time. And Graham is like, mom, this is really interesting. I didn't think that pride looked like this. We were dying. Anyway, long story longer. I enjoyed it. Um, Dead. And I will support again. In fact, I'm. In fact, I'm boothing this uh, September. I think is when Are the town. You? I'm boothing with my new my new uh, business. Oh, so that's gonna be fun. definitely gonna talk about this because yeah, why well, I brought you on for sure. I've mm-hmm. never been to Tower Grove Pride, so that's that's on my my bucket list this year. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and also here for St. Charles too. I know I got the, I just got the information about it, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I will show up. I I'm excited. I'm excited to kind of get out there again and 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 live our less our best uh out loud and proud lives mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. yeah so okay so we met at pride and uh you are you still teaching or no are you so you like i am teacher? not teaching in uh at, in my university anymore no i resigned okay. my 
position in December to okay. pivot and focus full time on on the new business. And when you taught, what was your what was your your your? So I was there. Oh gosh, I t- I started there at. Uh, can I say the name of the university? If you want to, if not, no. I'll block it out. It's okay. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't care. I I mean, you can search my name and find out. I um I taught at Lindenwood University from 2010. I started in the um English and the French departments. Um, and uh, a few years after I started, I noticed that they did not have any specific course of study that was gender studies, and that was what my specialization was in while I was in grad school. Um, gender studies, queer studies, race studies. So I pitched a gender studies program and um, we started it and it was, it was super small at first, but it was, um, it grew, it grew legs, it grew, um, you know, some of my newer students had other ideas about ways to improve the visibility of minority populations on campus, whether it was the LGBTQ community, whether it was the black community, we had all of these really, um, kind of grassroots, you know, minded students who started, you know, our GSA, our Genders and Sexualities Alliance. And then they hosted, of course, our annual drag shows, which were fundraisers for local um, organizations. And so the minor kind of was a catalyst to some other really important, uh, you know, some other progress on campus. And so I taught in that program from 2000, I think 13 was when we started it. And I taught that all the way up until in that program, all the way up until I resigned um, during COVID. I mean, the, the the real sad story is that during COVID, when my son's schools went online and they were home, um, I needed to be present. Someone, right. one of the people living in this home needed to be present. And um, my um, ex and my younger son's father Um, had and still has a very, very, very uh, busy, I guess, less flexible, seemingly Uh up for debate uh, job where it was pretty clear that my paycheck was the one that could have been kind of done Uh, without. So, I I mean, it it is it is a sore, you know, it is a sore spot. It's sort of a sad um, thing that we I had to come to realize that I needed to be present in the house. And so I went part time at that at that moment. Gotcha. So I forget what year that was. It was 2020, end of 19. I did go part-time and I was only teaching the gender study in the gender studies program, which was wonderful and satisfying to my soul and really all I ever wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um, however, it was not a, you know, the gender studies uh, teaching was not a full-time thing because it mm-hmm. was just a minor, right? It could be a major perhaps, but um, there was not the resources that, uh, we would need to make that a major at the moment. So um, it was an, a phenomenal run. And then I decided I really love to do the work um, of making organizations, you know, diverse and equitable and inclusive. And so I decided to really kind of, you know, jump out uh, of my sort of comfort zone and, and start this consulting firm where I'm doing DEI work in organizations. In fact, I heard that, you know, through a friend, um, there is actually a small budget now at my former university and I might even go back and get paid. Oh my gosh. That's too amazing. That's so funny. Because, you know, we did a lot of these trainings when they brought things like the safe zone program Mm -hmm. to Lindenwood. Um, 
there was a lot of momentum to get a lot of, um, you know, schools trained, the business school or the school of education, public safety, athletics departments. And there was this wonderful effort. And I and a host of other wonderful colleagues um, would do these trainings. And so I've been doing these trainings for years and years and years on a, of course, voluntary basis. Right. So yeah. it will be kind of amazing to be able to come go back and get paid for that. <laughs> so I got my, uh, both of my master's at Lindenwood and it was before your time because um, the, my elective for my HR degree was gender issues in management. That was the class that I could take, but it only focused on the binary and it wasn't, it was still eye-opening to, to see, although some of the stuff I think was a little archaic in thought process. But as I grew into a management role and then moved on to into leadership roles and stuff, I was like, okay, this does make sense. But it only hit the binary. It didn't hit anything else. And I kept thinking, I was like, gosh, I wish there was something. And this was back in, gosh, was it 2009, I think. So it was well, well before. But that's why I was like, oh, it's so interesting to see that you came in after um, which is sad. Like I would like to get retroactive credit. Uh, it's fine. Um, but where did your passion come from when it came to like talking about just gender identity? And then I don't like the word issues because I feel like issues has a negative connotation, but gender discussions in mm-hmm. the work, just specifically in the workplace. Like, why do you feel like that's such a, a, a topic that needs to be addressed now? I mean, it should have been addressed forever, but now. Yeah. Uh, I think that we are all seeing this sort of nationwide reckoning. Um, I think that... It's a great the, word. Yeah. I mean, I think that whether or not it's a sincere reckoning or whether, you know, whether it, it is a sincere reckoning from the tippy top of the organization with someone going, hey, this is, we, we've missed the, we've missed the, the boat. We really need to get back and, 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 and right some wrongs and, and do some damage control here. Let's get our shit together. Or if it's somebody going, oh, they're doing that and they're doing that and they're doing that and they're doing that. Oh, God, I guess we got to do that. You know, so whether it's a sincere, like this is the right thing to do. This is a moral imperative right now of making sure that our workplaces are not homophobic and transphobic and sexist and making sure that policies that are in place are actually practiced and that there is accountability. Um, I witnessed my own workplace um, treating diverse diversity issues, if you will, diversity subtopics Mm -hmm. um, as, you know, real, like we got to check that box. So how do we do that? Okay. Let's put a um, person of color on a billboard and then we can, maybe appear to be inclusive. And and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong in and of itself with putting a person of color on a damn billboard to recruit or to as a marketing, you know, but you're strategy. checking a box. You're However, a box. follow through, right? Get mm-hmm. to this pipeline of people. Yeah. Bring these um uh the the there was nor there was not much preaching, there was not much practice. There was kind of like right. a window dressing is what we call it. Yep. And and it was Absolutely. It did real harm to real Mm -hmm. people that I knew students, staff, faculty. Um, And I just became, I was really uh, disappointed. There were moments I was enraged. I was a part of the DEI, the new DEI committee um, or task force, whatever you want to call it. 
And I was always like the squeakiest wheel because I just didn't see um, the follow through. And like I said, even if it wasn't for the most sincere of reasons, Mm -hmm. you know, I had students that went, gosh, I came to Lindenwood because I actually got a couple of emails from, let's say, someone in the athletics department. It was actually a student who was being recruited for, for tennis. And they were like, they were an international student. They were a biracial student and they were a non-binary student. Mm -hmm. And they were like, and I saw the safe zone sticker on the athletic director's email signature and I, and, and their pronouns. And I was like, this is so excellent. Right. And I was thrilled and they landed in my class. So we, we did have a wonderful class. Um, They seemed to thrive in that class. They shared a lot of, of, of their feelings, however, that contradicted the experience that they got in my class. And so uh-huh. here it is, the gender studies minor is an outlier. It's the token experience. It's not really immersed. And, and when you do that with diversity work, there is, there is, there is just back. There is a fair backlash. The backlash is just, it is appropriate. And um, it's still not really, it's not really sort of, um, that's another reason why I needed to sort of, I did all that I could and I've got a lot of hope for that institution. I really do. I, I kind of have endless hope. It's like the optimism and also the sun is shining. So, you know, (laughs) but I, but I, but I needed to be a little bit more in control of the environments that I, you know, stepped into meaning, Hey, if you're hiring me for a training or you're hiring me for a workshop, I'm going to do the best that I can to meet you where you are and to get you where you want to be. Um, it's not a one-stop shop. There's no such thing as that. But the passion grew from seeing the way that it was flawed, the way mm-hmm. that the execution of DEI work in institutions has been so flawed. The intentions have been insincere, and then the execution has been flawed. And I was just like, oh, and you know, so, so that's how. And, and I'm also a queer woman. I'm, you know, I am. Uh, cisgender queer woman, but um, I can't really say that my own personal experiences as a queer woman have in, have have been the real catalyst to doing this work. It's more about seeing the other communities that I love being um, put in harm's way, basically. Well, and, and you mentioned like being a squeaky wheel, and and as a as a squeaky wheel myself. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes all it takes is that one person to listen to the squeak who is open enough to allow things. So I have a really great, I have a really great uh, manager, um, probably the best I've most likely ever had in my entire life. And he is super supportive and really encouraged me to really focus on safe zone training because we can now do that and we offer it at, um, at, at the bank. And uh, one of the things that we're working on right now is, is I'm part of a group that's trying to put on a panel to, discuss what does non-binary mean what how is that different from identifying as, as transgender how does that look but we're, we're we're using actual bank employees to talk about their experiences in the workplace because even now even with and you know, we work i work for a great company that is embracing these things and we have uh, they call them courageous conversations mm-hmm. and um we're, we're discussing race equality we're discussing um the pay gap, we're discussing all of these things. And so now LGBTQ plus um, is becoming a little bit more of a focus. In fact, they just added the plus to all of our marketing. It took a while, but we're getting there. Right. And I think, I think that's, 
to me, I as a as a as a gay man, we we all know I'm a I'm a cis gay man. Um, if you don't, welcome to the first episode. I like dudes. Um, <laughs> but uh, I didn't know enough about our community when I first came out because there wasn't. I grew up in a very small town. There wasn't a lot of education. I had horrible stereotyped. Um, individuals to look up to, which was just not great. There wasn't a lot of role models and there wasn't a lot of education. And, and there are still times where we're like, Oh, you know, what do you think about this? And I'm like, I don't know enough to have that opinion. Let me go out and research. Let me see what this is about. And it's, it's all about education. And I think as businesses grow, they should be concerned about these things. But like you said, are they, or are they just like, Oh, well, there's a bandwagon. I need to jump on. Otherwise I'm going to look, but you have to practice what you preach to practice what you preach and for the longest time when i would start a training class i never did pronouns i just was like hey by the way blah blah and so in the past like year two years i guess it would be i've kind of changed the way of of my presentation style which you know we start out with pronouns and um i started a new practice where i don't try to say someone's name because i just think it's dumb um so we take a class portrait at the very beginning and then i go with an arrow and i say okay now you here you introduce yourself tell me the name I'm supposed to call you. Tell me your whatever. If you want to give us your pronouns, awesome. Tell us these things about yourself. And I've noticed um, the amount of trust that is built now because I'm allowing this person to be their authentic self. It's it's a completely different environment now because you've already built that that trust within that first 30 to 60 seconds. And now you're saying, hey, I can be who I am. And I've noticed those that uh, fall under the umbrella um, are more attentive, they're more vocal, um, because they feel like they're being heard, they feel like they're being respected. And um, I, I agree. When I when I look at things that at past companies that I've been with, and I will call one of them out specifically, uh, Target, Target was very pro LGBTQ plus in marketing, but not necessarily in the store that I was involved in. And it based on the management that came in, and there was a there was a a very a very uh, felt flip flop, I guess is the best way to use it. A very a very felt flip flop when one manager left and a new one came in, and the new one was basically like, "I don't like gay people." I'm going to tell you that right now. That was a private conversation we had, and uh, and he's you know, and he said, "Hey, do with that what you want." And I was like, "Wow, okay." So what you're saying is that who I am is not who you want to work for you. And so when I think about those things, like Gap, I worked at the Gap. We talked about the Gap uh, in the last episode with uh, Guesty Bestie Pam. Um, Gap was totally, or at the time, I'm, I'm assuming it still is, was very pro-LGBTQ uh, because I remember walking in and meeting all these people. And I, was a, I, was just, I wasn't even out yet. I was still trying to figure out everything. And I had horrible fashion sense. Mm-hmm. And I remember meeting the first... Um, guy that was like oh i wear all of our women's jeans and i was like why and he was like well one my body shape fits better in these jeans and two i'm selling the product and three i am comfortable in them and i was like i've never met somebody like you before mm. never seen something and then for your workplace to be so uh appreciative of it and want you to do that and yes be yourself come in and sell these things because you know it makes business sense to say i'm a man and i can wear these jeans and look I mean, his thing was, look how my butt looks. And I was like, oh, it does look amazing. Um, <laughs> but that was my first interaction with someone who was 
not afraid to to truly be themselves at at their workplace. And so mm-hmm. I am a huge fan of just mm-hmm. allowing people just to be yourself. And it hurts when I, I work for such a great company, but I see things that aren't where they should be, or I hear something and it just, I don't know, the little activist in me gets all fired up. Yeah, I totally, I mean, I, I've talked about this at length in, in classes and in actually in my workshops is that, you know, organizations and institutions aren't some like static, you know, entity, even if they have a, a long reputation of being a certain way, even if someone has run it the same way from the you know the top tiers, these, these are living things. They have arms and legs and those arms and legs are the people, are the gatekeepers who come in and have to lead and have to manage and are appointed to you know, run the business. So whether it's, whether we're talking about vice presidents or we're talking about, you know, managing directors or we're talking about deans or we're talking about um, corporate heads of banks or, or retail stores, these are the arms and legs that have a direct influence on your, the lived experiences of the humans who are underneath them. And so you're right with the changing of the guard in 24 hours, you can have a completely different culture. Um, And that's bonkers to me because that just sort of it's case in point that these gatekeepers can do real harm or they can do the opposite of that. Um, and every institution, every discipline, every every industry has has gatekeepers from the medical industry to the legal industry, education. Um, it's longstanding. And I dare I say, despite, you know, the identities of said gatekeepers, they can still create a toxic workplace environment. Absolutely. I mean, mean, that's, that's another like misnomer is that, you know, if you're like, I don't know, um, a a gay woman is going to foster more of a, no. Um, I've got a friend who is uh, currently, um, I guess, mid-level employee of a nonprofit whose boss is a, you know, gay woman, very powerful. I mean, in her position and enforces some of the most, embarrassingly antiquated uh, dress code, dress codes that you can, Uh, I mean, to the tune of, you know, we're having this little like party or this little gathering and women can wear skirts, but men have to wear pants and you can't wear shorts. What the hell are shorts except for skirts with friggin'? Thank you. You're wearing two. In fact, you're not wearing one skirt when you're wearing shorts. You're wearing two skirts. (laughs) I got a skirt around each of my legs. Each of my legs has a skirt. I, I will say, <laughs> totally pivoting for just a second. When I did drag for the first time <laughs> and I wore a dress, I was like, Ugh, why are men not wearing skirts? Like, right? it is, listen to, to, to my folks, uh, it is freeing. It is air flowing. I am, I'm a, I'm a chubby bear and I get hot real quick and, uh, I was like, man, I get why why kilts are being worn. Like, it is just best it, kept it, secret. Oh my god, easy breezy. I'm telling and I'm you. And I was like, you know, people are like, oh, would you ever wear a dress to work? And I was like, yeah, if I get if my legs looked cute enough, yes, absolutely. Yeah, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it was super freeing. I was like, wow, this is I don't know. I think um, that's that's so fascinating. I was watching. Um, so I to get some emotional fulfillment is what I call it now. Um, I watch old episodes of Undercover Boss. Do you remember the show Undercover Boss? Have you ever no. seen it? 
know. Okay, so it's where like the CEO of the company gets a yes. makeover and then they know. go in and pretend that there's somebody new, right? And they just, uh, one of the older episodes I just watched was for New York Fashion, New York Fashion Company? Is that mm-hmm. the name of the business? New York, whatever. And they had a gay male employee uh, talking about the dress code to the CEO, not knowing that the CEO, he's like, you know, we don't, uh, men have to wear pants, but I'm in here selling women's clothing. And he's like, so I try to put on like a top or if I can fit into something, I try to do that so I can help sell the brand. And at the end, the CEO was like, this is brilliant. Why aren't we focusing on this? Why do we have this antiquated dress code for men, but not our female employees? And those I'm using the words he used. So, um, <laughs> just clear that up. um, and so he was like, you know, we're going to look at the dress code and I want your opinion and I want to see how to do that. Because at the end, they come back and they talk about what they've learned. And then, of course, they gift mm-hmm. money and it makes you mad because you're like, wow, you had all that money to give. You could have done something for all the employees. Right. Yeah. But every episode, uh, I would say, like, let's say this, 95%, I'm sobbing at the end. Yeah. Because you see these, these um, A, some of these CEOs really learn mm-hmm. about what it's like to not be at the CEO level, but be on the ground floor. And also for like this gentleman, who's was super cute, such a cute guy. He really wanted to go into fashion. So they were paying for him uh, to get to fashion school and Aww. they're doing all these things because they want to retain him. And I was like, that is great. So you've learned a couple of different things. And, um, but it's, it's just fascinating to me that, that in a clothing store, if you're going to, as you should hire male presenting employees, do you not want us to, because there are certain women's clothing that I'm like, I, that would be a great, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a, I'm a busty boy. So there are certain women's clothing that I would look super great in oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. if I was working there, but yeah. mm-hmm. um, it's yeah. so fascinating. Yeah. It's just the, ar- the, the, the arbitrary nature of some of these rules and policies, which just have never been examined because the gatekeepers, if you will, I've just never, whether they don't have time or they don't care enough or they don't want to um, go out on a limb for fear mm-hmm. of being. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, people don't really care. Uh, I'm sure that 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 boss that I'm talking about doesn't truly care if someone's walking around in shorts. I'm sure that's not like the hill she's going to personally die on. But like, does she want to bring that up to whomever? Does she want right. to, to take that to, to, you know, take that issue to the people who could easily change it. Does she want to make that part of her, you know, uh, program? And that's, that's the thing. It's like this, um, but, but then that also, you know, gets us into the conversation of, of who has access to who has, um, who gets, who's got the privilege to be visible to some of these, right. the people who can change the culture to people who can say, mm. yes, go ahead. No, we can't do that. There's so many rungs and so much, you know, down to like what we make, right? Besides not even like just pay, but also, like I said, little issues in the, in, in the workplace culture. Even, that Even benefits. Feel. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, I, I, you know, we, where I work, definitely offer a benefit to uh, help with transition surgery. But I can, I'm sure we both could come up with uh, two or 300 companies in this country alone that would not remotely even try to, to discuss that issue or to have that conversation. Yep. Um, so you're right. And I think, so for me, I just don't feel like I ever had the ear and now I have the ear, right? Now I'm in a position where I can say the things I need to say. And I'm also in a different position now where I'm being elevated in a different direction so that I can talk about these things, not as an expert, but just as a genuinely concerned person, bringing in those experts, bringing in those things. And 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 when we humanize it, I think that's the problem too. Because you know, there's a lot of people that are out there just talk, talk, talk. But if you humanize it, yeah, 
And that's why I love about Safe Zone. Um, you know, guesty bestie Christian, we do Safe Zone for the bank. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things we do is we talk about our personal experiences in corporate America or just in jobs alone, what it was like. Cause I'll never forget when I was outed at work again, it was not my choice, but I was walked around saying, This is Jason, he's gay, and blah, 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 blah. You know, and and that person had the best intentions. It was to show that they were supportive and that they were required the support of others. It was just the way that it was handled. But I remember going home just feeling like, oh my God, I, you don't, and years later, and I love this person. They are a mentor of mine. We've had conversations years later when I was like, you don't, what, what you don't understand is as a, as a cisgender heterosexual coming out as a process and it's never, once you come out, it doesn't mean you're done. You have to, we, as, as queer identifying people have to come out every single time we get a new promotion we get a new job we move into a new building we get a new cube mate we have to it's a it's a never-ending process which breaks my heart because you know both of us have have assisted and, and talked to lgbtq plus youth and one of the questions i always get is how how is life different after you come out when should i come out and i'm like it's coming out isn't a stop it is literally the start of your journey for the rest of your life mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Yeah. feeling those things and, and again knowing that this person had the best intention sure it was just the execution that that person just didn't know right they wanted to show hey i'm supportive i feel that the, the idea i mean there's actually there's an article that i taught years ago um four years i taught it i can't remember what it is called but it, it is exactly that it discusses the idea of coming out as being a complete and utter process the one that you have to keep repeating time and time again and just about every space you're you're, you're in, whether it's workplace, whether it's personal life, whether it's, um, and it's because, you know, that identity is often marked as other, as, as, you know, and this is another, don't even get me started with the, with the, with the, the gay, the, the gay bill. Um, but, um, there was a, we're going to have a, I think we might have a special episode coming up uh, about you, that. You better, you better, because I mean, <laughs> we'll just bring you on and yeah, a couple other leaders and yeah. be like, let's discuss this. But I mean, even, you know, I mean, personally speaking, um, if we are talking about me, then I, um, <laughs> you know, I went from, I, I, I definitely traveled the, uh, the coming out train, you know, since 1994, when I came out to my parents, because I was with my then partner, Lily, um, and we were together for about seven or so years. Um, I actually came out during the season of maybe it was 90. No, it was before the Ellen episode anyway. And that's a whole other mm. conversation, but yeah, it was, it was, it was around the Ellen era. Um, mm. And, you know, I was a lesbian. Uh, that was my identity for many, many years. And I, when I, when she and I broke up and I got together with my oldest son's husband, um, I guess that was in flux. I was like, I'm, I'm bi. I guess I've always been bi. That's fine. That's cool. And he and I were together for, you know, seven or so years. And then I got together with my now ex um, husband and um, we are separated, not officially divorced as of yet. I don't want to misspeak, but I then, um, but, you know, this is another really sort of larger conversation about identity and how you identify as queer when you're not actually maybe in a queer relationship, when you're not necessarily Mm -hmm. doing the things that others believe constitute queerness or lesbianness or gayness mm-hmm. and what is my god the dog doing oh my gosh he's in the trash can hold on i'm just gonna walk you over here 
<laughs> I'm not even going to edit this out. We're no, you should not. Out. You're eating. You're going to keep this in. Oh, you know what? At least you're eating Nobody. your own Begging strips. Begging strips. Oh, well, that's why. That's right. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give him a begging strip. He, he I mean, it. he's like, I wanted a snack and you were busy and I didn't want to interrupt. That's good. Good boy. So here I so here I am now, 46 years old, you know, um finding myself in a an absolutely stunningly equal partnership with a woman and diving back into feeling whole diving mm -hmm. back into feeling um like i probably you know dipped my toes in uh dating men being married to men and um you know some of it was lovely um but i made a lot of realizations some so, some of us are awful i'm gonna tell you right now <laughs> well I've got, I've got mixed experiences. And so I will, you know, I will, I will own how, um, I will own how I think, how not heterosexual I am. am. <laughs> I will own how, how, how heterosexual I am not. How's there you that? go. I, I will. Well, I that, that's to, a whole concept it, because I think some people think like, oh, well, you said you were gay, so you can't be attracted to this. And, and then I have these, cause I know that I thought that way. I'm being hundred percent honest. I was like, Nope, you're gay. You're bi or you're, or you're straight. Like that's it. I, again, no education did not know that, that there's this spectrum of sexualities. Mm -hmm. And as I, as I continue to educate myself and learn more and, and do safe zones and things like that, and I have to be at the top of my game trying to learn all of these things and being like, mm -hmm. okay, great. The, oh, Oh, that's what this is. Okay. So where do I fall on, on the scale? Where am I at? And I, and I think even as an adult, I'm still learning those things, right? Yeah. Like what, where can I be? And, and realizing that it's okay that if you said one thing and you've grown as a person and yeah. you've done self-reflection and you've learned about who you are, it's okay to add another layer to that. And, and it's, again, it's a journey, right? Yeah. Like there's no, there are many, many pit stops on a journey. A journey right. can never end. Right. And I think there, I, and I think in, in our community, I think there are some that don't see it that way. Um, and there are some that do see it that way. And it's a, it's an interesting conversation to have when, mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. when we think about things, cause you know, we're roughly the same age. I think you and I are, I think we're pretty in the same category. Mm -hmm. So we've seen lots of change in our life. You know, there are kids growing up now that never knew a world without gay marriage. And it just would be foreign to them to, to think that, well, what do you mean? You didn't have the right to get, that doesn't make any sense. And I, I remember having a conversation, oh my gosh, it was probably about 15, 20 years ago with an older uh, gay man. And he was like, you know, when when we did the things for Stonewall and we did all this, he was like, we never thought that gay marriage would ever be a conversation to have. And he's like, and we're having these conversations. You can get a civil union. And I think it was Massachusetts was like mm -hmm. probably one of the first couple of states. And he's like, you, you know, that's just never something that we ever imagined. And he's like, and your generation is making sure that happens based on the groundwork that my generation did. And 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 now I look at all of these other uh, queer youth that are out there demanding all of these things based on some of the things that we started. And it's like this great journey of evolution. Mm -hmm. um, still recognizing the steps of our elders. Now, they grew up in a different time. So, you know, that's why they use different language. And I remember the first time I met someone who used the term queer in a positive way, and I cringed mm -hmm. because that was a slur to me. And I really struggled with that. 
um, until I was just like, well, why do you use that word? And they're like, well, that's just where I feel. And it's okay to use that word. We take the power back from that word because that word really does explain a lot of things. And, and I was like, okay, all right. And so it took a while of like self reflection, exploration, and just realizing like, okay, cool. Uh, you know, I was called Gason a lot in school sometimes. And so look what I've done, I've taken the same thing and applied that same concept of, I can take that negative, make it into a positive. Um, but I want to talk, okay, so tell me about your, your, yeah, I want you to plug the business. Oh, yeah. Some folks that, that um, might, I can't promise anything, but I want you to, to tell us what you does and the name of it. And then we'll link, uh, we'll link your, your info in the show notes here. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah. Um, after I resigned from my university, I, and it was already sort of in the works, I wanted yeah. to do um, consulting and um, I wanted to do this DEI work full time. My company is called Dynamic DEI Solutions. Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and I have a website. Um, Excellent. And I will, I, 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 I want to sort of, you know, the one thing I did not, the kind of challenge I did not find with the trainings that I was doing um, at my university where I found a lot because they were never making them, of course, mandatory. They were all voluntary. So the folks I were, I was training were part of my choir. They were my, they, were, they, were, they were, you know, um, and uh, you know, this echo chamber was not necessarily um strong enough to really send ripples throughout the rest of the organization. So I like to be able to get in front of people who are going to ask me, why do I need to do this? What does any of this matter? Um, I want to be challenged like that to get this. You know, I think about folks like my father, who is a wonderful, generous, smart, but you know, old school-ish. He was a, he's a Vietnam vet, raised mm -hmm. Irish Catholic. Um, he is who he is and he can't be who he's not because that wasn't his culture. That's not his, uh, but look, he's got a queer daughter. He has known that from, you know, from the time I was a, a teenager. Um, you know, my niece is now dating. <clears throat> my niece has been dating a black man for, I think a couple of years. He is a, an angel from the freaking heavens. I mean, he's part of the family. And it's interesting because when I was in high school and my first boyfriend, James T. Lane, Broadway star. Okay. Um, <laughs> he is, I mean, we didn't realize how uh, gay as the day is long. We each were, but um, here we are. <laughs> Queer we are. <laughs> Queer we are. <laughs> he, um, so he was my boyfriend for a couple of years as well in high school. And the scandal through my little town of South Philadelphia. Oh, I'm sure. So I feel like, you know, whereas the, the, the Stonewall folks are like, we paved the way. I'm like, you know what, Brenna? I ran so you can walk or I walked so you can run. I forget how that goes. But yeah. Um, <laughs> so the point is, I like to get in front of people in organizations that remind me of my father who have a certain mm. mindset, who don't quite understand why they're uh, needing to learn about these types of things. And it's the biggest challenge I face. I don't think that I always get it right, but um, I try to, I know I have a, I have a unique perspective because I, um, whether it's because of in-group bias, I am a white woman, I am a cisgender woman, I present as kind of quote mainstream, right? So um, there is part probably, and it, like I said, whether it's due to in-group bias, I don't know, but there is a, a, a certain 
groups of people that when I'm in front of them speaking, you know, authentically and sincerely and, and imploring them to imagine, you know, themselves at the intersections of these certain identities. And, and, and please, you know, I, I say things like, and I imagine other, you know, I say, what, what kind of identities might you have that you feel like rendered you vulnerable in society? And I've got folks who will tell me, you know, grown older men, white men are like, well, I'm adopted. That always kind of messed me up. I'm a Vietnam vet or I'm, I've got mental disorder. I got, and so <clears throat> I kind of bring them into the conversation by trying to, um, you know, just empathize with them and their own experiences. That's what, that's what fuels me is getting in front of the people who I don't think would be touched um, mm-hmm. by any of these issues um, otherwise. And it's a challenge, like I said, so I, I want a, a greater challenge. And so through these seminars and workshops and speaking engagements, I try to, and I try to do it on, on a longer term basis too, because I've said this before, there's no such thing as a one-stop shop. So I, I, you know, I've been hired by hospital systems. Um, I've got a training next month with BJC that I'm super excited about. Um, I've got a training, hopefully uh, coming up with a couple of really, you know, high-end real estate agencies here. Um, You know, when I get these postcards in the mail and it's like 94 white men, you know, and and it's the real estate agency of like, of the stars, if you will, of the glitterati of St. Louis. I just think like, who, oh, come on. Like, yep. you know, and, and, and some of these folks I'm actually friends with, so I can say, Hey, you, you, you need to hire me. <laughs> um, yeah. So you need to, yeah. We hospital need to have a systems, real estate agencies, law firms, schools, um, small businesses. I'm trying to get in front of a wide array of organizations and um, yeah, so dynamic DEI solutions. I'm also trying to put together, this is going to cost a lot of money, so I can't do it right now. Um, I'm trying to put together a video library of, of, of yeah. trainings, of workshops. And so folks can just log on and subscribe. So instead of watching a video when you're hired at an organization and watching a video where you're half asleep, check in a box, you got to take a little quiz yep. at the end, you remember nothing you know, where they can actually do more of an interactive thing with these, with these um, workshops. So that's my longer term goal. But I love this longer term goal. We're going to discuss this off. Yeah. 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 Sometime. Yeah. So it's very I exciting. Am... It's, it's, it's only, you know, we're only four months into it, but um, I know it's very brand new. I was very excited when I saw your announcement. I was just like, oh, it's legit. It's so gay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm so excited for it. Yeah. So we'll put all the information. So if you're interested in talking more, with Heather about that. Um, just make sure you click on the show notes and we'll put your, we'll put your website on there and, and your Facebook and your Insta and Sweet. so people can, can find you and, and, and do all those fun things. And, um, I hope, I hope somebody reaches out. I mean, we all have small businesses that we work for. You have big companies that you work for. Um, and the only way, honestly, if you're listening to this show, you clearly have a passion. Maybe it's just for me. I don't know. Uh, but you, you know what you're getting into when you click on the logo and it's a big rainbow. Uh, so maybe this is something that, you know, and you do, uh, do you do in-person and virtual? I do. Yep. I've done yeah, in-person. Yep. I actually flew down to Tampa to, to, uh, do a workshop with a large law firm, personal injury law firm. And, um, that was super exciting because, um, yeah, they just, they, you know, so some organizations are going to realize that there's more, you can impact more when you are in person and um, some others realize that they might be able to reach a wider audience with a, um, 
you know, a virtual session. So whatever is needed. So we're back, which you all didn't know that we took a break, but, um, you know, we are the home of the 99 cent podcast because again, that's all the quality I can afford to give you. And part of that high quality entertainment <laughs> is sometimes the audio just stops working as, as Heather and I found out a day ago when <laughs> we lost the last half of the show, uh, you could hear me, which is great because it is all about me, but uh, you couldn't hear anything Heather said. <laughs> so. Just as well. Just as well. <laughs> <laughs> after after uh, a few hours of, of, of discussing it with the uh, recording platform, who tried their best, uh, we just realized it's better for us just to re-record this last part. So you're getting us <laughs> later, and uh, I don't know if we're more awake, less awake, Um I'm not really sure, but you're outside now at a beautiful uh, seaside resort is what it looks like, uh, which is otherwise what? Your backyard? It's my backyard. Yes. <laughs> if I have to live in the Midwest, I, I, I get to live here. <laughs> oh, God. It's so funny. Uh, but it's gorgeous. <clears throat> and I hope to see it in person very soon. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so we're just going to do the last part of the show again. And uh, you're all are welcome. Um, it's fun. So, hey, Heather, welcome back Thank again. You. Thank you. It's great to be back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So the last part of the show is where we do all of our little fun segments. Uh, first up, of course, is what you've been binging, Bestie. <clears throat> so, uh, Heather, what have you been binging? Like uh, music, I think, is something yeah. you've been binging? Yeah, not much has changed right? since the last we spoke. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, I am a diehard... Uh, as everyone knows about me, I'm a diehard Brandy Carlisle fan. And so I have been binging the artists that I got the chance to see at her recent um, uh, Girls Just Won a Weekend Festival in Cancun in February. And she introduced all of us to some amazing artists, Allison Russell, Amethyst Kia, uh, Katie Pruitt. So I am binging the three of those folks. And uh, I'm also binging some podcasts. I am late to the Glennon Doyle party. Um, I was, admittedly, I was uh, probably unfairly suspicious of Glennon Doyle because of the religious affiliation and anything religion related typically makes my hair stand on 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 its end, and I kind of run the other way. But um, she's got a lot of great shit to say, and. Uh, especially uh, the last few podcast episodes where she had someone on a good friend of hers discussing divorce and uh, all of the horrifyingly scary emotions that go into that. So yeah, I've been binging her and some music and, you know, this weather change has me binging my own backyard. Excellent. Um, I don't know Glennon Doyle, so I, I might have to, to check them out for sure. Um, and you're going to be on another podcast, right? I am. I am. I am going to be a guest on, um, the podcast called, well, it's part, I believe it's part of this nonprofit called history Unerased, And it is a nonprofit that, um, works with schools to incorporate LGBTQ inclusive curriculum. And, uh, this podcast is called making gay history. And so it's, all things queer history, uh, queer related from, you know, AIDS epidemic to, you know, so it's really sort of spans a lot of time and a lot of topics. And so my particular topic will actually be um, 
nothing too juicy, but super important, how to get uh, the K through 12 non-humanities classroom to be a little bit more embracing of inclusivity. So how do you get like your science teacher and your math teacher to understand the principles of inclusion and diversity and really practice them in, in the classroom, you know, um, and how to maybe even incorporate it a little bit into the content. So that's going to be my focus on that podcast. And I will, um, I'll send you the link when it's all done. It's going to be in a few weeks. Absolutely. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. I'm very excited. And, uh, once, once we know that you've recorded and it's up, we'll link it in our show notes, but we'll also talk about it on my, uh, whatever episode is out at that time for this show. So we'll definitely make comes back and listens to it. Uh, I think it's a fascinating topic. I'm super excited for you. Thank you. Thank you. What you've been um, binging? I, I've only been binging a couple things. Um, we had talked, and we're still going to talk about it, uh, the TV show Cold Case, because it's on HBO Max, and it's a show that came out years ago and has seven seasons, and I love it so very, very much. Uh, I talk about it on the show quite frequently. Uh, it's a great acting, and it's, it's, uh, it's a murder mystery that's told in flashbacks with different actors playing the same character at different points in their life, and the music of the episode is from the decade or the year that the show, uh, that the murder took place in, so it's really great, but the main reason that we watch Cold Case is because of Danny Pino, because he is absolutely the most beautiful man, and you got to see Danny Pino uh, when we recorded the first time around, and I just think that Danny Pino and I would be an amazing, uh, beautiful power couple together. Uh, unfortunately, Danny Pino is, uh, he's, you know... He's not playing not, for the team. Just not, not, not a team player. Not a team player. I don't, I don't care for him. For <laughs> no. But he is still, uh, we need to marvel in his beauty. He's also, he also John Stamos part two. Like he's, that, is, mean, that is who he, he is. is. He is he is just a gorgeous man. So if y'all don't know about Danny Pino, go get some <laughs> Danny Pino love. Because he is, he's wonderful. And then, um, I love podcasts. So, um, do you like true crime? I don't know. I don't think we've ever talked about that. Do you like true crime? Yeah. Like true crime? Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever listened to Dr. Death? the podcast dr death no okay so first of all you should because it's terrifyingly frightening mm -hmm. uh each season focuses on another doctor so the first season was about this guy who was supposed to be a spinal surgeon but ended up killing people leaving tools inside them during surgeries and they just ended up having to pull his license because nobody was paying attention mm -hmm. the second season was about another doctor who was prescribing chemotherapy to people who did not have cancer because he was getting more money from the insurance company by prescribing chemo. Uh, their third season has just come out and I'm getting ready to binge all of it. Uh, I'm very excited about it. So if you have not checked out Dr. Death for anybody else, they actually turned the first season into a TV show starring Joshua Jackson. And I believe it's on Peacock and I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. So um, Dr. Death, it is frightening, but it is you're just like, what? How did nobody catch? And this is all real it? shit. Yes. All True stories. Oh my yes. God. Okay. Yeah. The chemo one uh, was because a bunch of nurses started complaining and nobody was listening to them. <gasps> and um, they're just like, I don't know, something seems wrong about this. Yeah. Oh, heart. Woo. Heart. Okay. Wow. So, anyway, Dr. Death is super good. Okay. So. All right. So you are in a fantastic romance. We mentioned it several times on the show. Oh. And we know that I am not <laughs> in said romance with anyone except the love I have for myself. And um, 
I have started a new segment where it's called, you know, basically Dating Gason, where I get my friends to help answer questions on OKCupid. What a fun segment it is. Love it. I wish you could have heard our answers to the last two questions because it was an amazing thing. Uh, but unfortunately, those are lost in space and time. However, Heather, are you ready to answer two new questions? Today? Give them to me. Yes. All right. Are you ready? The first one is uh, this one I hope will be a short discussion, but <laughs> here we go. I have a feeling I know how you're going to answer this, mm. but I'm excited to hear it anyway. Do you believe your country would be more or less safe if every adult owned a gun? <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> this is a question on OKCupid? Yeah, yeah. I love it. it we are weeding out. We are weeding out. Everybody. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The answer is fucking less. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <sighs> I agree. I, I, I have friends that own guns, and they are very responsible. Though. They, they, they take care of it. They have... Um, they have gun locks and all of those things but um i just everybody but everybody what yeah Not everybody. I, just, I don't know about that Not that everybody. just seems like a a a dangerous i don't know it just seems dangerous to me i don't i just don't think we have a lot of gun safety in this country anyway it's so the most irresponsible phallic symbol that exists <clears throat> Ooh, look at you <laughs> Calling it out for what it is. Mm, 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 mm. Um, I'm trying to find us a Beth, a, a, another question okay. here too. I'm glad that was a short one because I feel like you and I could get on the topic of guns and we would. We're on the same side, but I feel like we would just debate someone into the ground. <laughs> um, so, hang on a second. We're trying to find another one. Oh, here's a good one. Okay, wow, we're doing two controversial ones today. Nice. All right. Would you date someone? who did not support the Me Too movement. Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> Absolutely fucking not. Yeah. Um, I, look, uh, I, yeah, this is a little, t maybe this is TMI, but um, I couldn't even handle, look, we all have family who uh, are, oops, we all have family, oops, thing fell out of my ear. We've all got friends and family who are on all sides of, you know, the political whatever aisle. Um, but a no, hell no. And B, um, I, it pains me when people that I love and care about, um, will not, well, that won't be a hard line for them, whether it's, you know, um, voting for, you know, Trump or just being a general Republican. Uh, it, the, the idea that someone is going to not see that as, like an absolute betrayal of, 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 of just morality. It's, it shocks me. Um, so yes, I, that is a very personal issue for me. And yeah, the answer is fuck no. Yeah. I, people are always like, Oh, could you date someone that has a different political belief than you? And, and some couples are strong enough in their relationship that they can. Mm -hmm. uh, I would hope that I would be, but there are certain moral issues that I can't, I can't be with someone. Um, I tried dating a guy um, a few months ago back around Christmas because I did try. You know, we went on a couple dates uh, until I found out he is a massive anti-vaxxer and um, with some low-key potential racism um, <laughs> in there, too. And I was like, <sighs> wow. And I go and I was like, you know, why? 
would you not get the vaccine? And he was like, well, I don't know what's in it. And I don't think I need it because I'm young and young people aren't affected by COVID. And, and, and I was just like, wow, I can't even, he wasn't that young. So don't be freaking out everybody. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I was just like, I don't think as much as I would like for things to work. Cause I like the rest of your personality. Mm-hmm. I don't think that this would work out. And, and eventually it just didn't realize that it, there was not a connection there. Right. But right. Me too is a moral issue. It is a, we need to, we, we have to realize that for the longest time, people in power, and we know it was men, uh, use their power to do whatever they wanted and take advantage of people and, and, and things like that. And people are like, oh, it's just all this political stuff. And it's like, no, it's not even political. It's just moral. Like we're now at a point where we can actually talk about these things and we have support for those individuals that went through in some cases, extremely horrible situations, right? Mm-hmm. And um, if you can't be on board with that, I can't be on board with us. I don't care how much I like you. Mm-hmm. We, we, I, I can't. I can't do it. No, so. no, 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 no. no. Um, wow, such a good one. Mm. Gosh. I'm thinking about doing uh, special episodes, Heather, where I have friends come on for roundtables, where we bring in three guests with me, and we sit around, and we have a fishbowl of topics, and we just pull one topic out and just go to town and see what uh, everyone thinks about that topic. And the Me Too movement is definitely one of those that are that, that's in the topic, yeah. because mm-hmm. I think it's interesting when there are, not that I don't think any of my friends are, but... I think it's interesting because there are women out there that are anti Me Too movement, and it literally blows my mind. Right, just like there is internalized homophobia and racism and sexism and all of those things. It's absolutely, yeah. It's also a bowing down to sort of this stronghold of power and privilege that women, um, mostly white women, benefit from. Heterosexual Mm. white women benefit from. So there's there's that um, problem. But yeah, I've been accused of when someone very close to me chose to start dating um, someone who I found out was a, you know, uh, had voted for Trump. And being a Republican is, is, I do believe, historically different than having voted for Trump. So, um, 100% agree with you. Yeah. Yes. When I felt when I felt ultimate betrayal and sadness and, and disgust, it was met with, these are just people. They're humans. They have good qualities too. And I'm like, but oh my God, that was, that's not a red line for you. You are a white man though. And you are a straight white man. So guess what? You have not been harmed um, in the same ways. But myself, I have people that I love, some of my family, a hundred percent. So just the fact that you could, you could like pursue something like emotional and loving and intimate with someone who has done so much harm to friends and family um, is really, again, that was like, ugh it just felt like the ultimate betrayal. Um, so I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh God. Yeah. I just, and you are right. And I, I don't think that people look at it in the way that you just said it voting for Trump versus being a Republican. There are two different things because I have friends who are very dear to me that are Republican that hated that man and did not vote for him Mm -hmm. because they didn't believe in the politics that are coming out of that group. And, Maybe one day we try to stay away from politics on this show just because I don't want to get there because I am very, I am very involved in politics. I follow a lot of things and um, I have a lot of strong opinions. Yeah. And maybe one day we'll do a politics special about <laughs> uh, front and center. There we go. 
Ooh, ah, uh, okay. all right, okay. excellent. Well, let's, let's make, let's talk about happier yeah. things. <laughs> what is, what is some joy recently? Well, okay, so, yeah. I, and this is, I, I said this before and I'll say it again, and it's so sort of silly, but I just come to the conclusion and I've embraced the fact that I am like fully, fully, fully like a morning person. Like I get up and I've got, I am like energized. I got ideas from all night. I don't know what happens at night, but I like get ideas and I got to get up sometimes in the middle of the night and write them down. And so in the morning, I just feel super productive. And when I am productive in the morning, I feel fucking great. Like I read two chapters this morning. I applied for a couple jobs. I am working on a training for a local hospital system, a DEI training for a local hospital system. And I just felt like you know what, when I can get a little shit done in the morning, it like sets me right for the day. I know that's so nerdy, but it's true. No, I mean, I wish that I could be a morning person, but I am not. I I am when I have to be. Let's put it like that. I am when I have to be. Um, I, I, I like my sleep. I'm much more productive at night. Like I can rock out everything at like 2 a.m. and be good to go. Holy shit. Um, yeah, that's when I'm most creative is like late at night. Uh, I also have stress-induced creativity. Like, I can get super creative as soon as I'm stressed, which is why I procrastinate a lot, because <laughs> my creativity is boosted during that time. Wow. Um, but I will say this. Uh, when I train at work, um, my energy level in the morning is usually off the charts, because I have to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much that I have to take, like, naps on my lunch break to keep that energy flowing. Wow. And I, in, in one of my last groups, I'd said something like, you know, I hope you all can match my energy. And one individual was like, absolutely not. I don't even know how you're doing it right now. Every day you come in here and you have so much energy and I just can't sometimes. I don't even know how to handle it. And I was like, well, otherwise, if I didn't, y'all would be bored and wanting to sleep in the morning. So I don't really get a choice. But on the days where I don't have to train people, slug easily a slug you just you, you, you earned it yeah. Yeah. you earned it yeah. you earned it i mean <laughs> high energy is a lot of work but i'm glad you're a morning person yeah, that's good yeah. just realize it 46 years old yep <laughs> <Fine>. <laughs> now i know um well so my joy it has been nothing but retail therapy and yes. um i got my new he-man skeletor life-size you got it staff it came in. Um, I can't show it right now because I'll move the headphones around, but I will show you before we end this. It weighs 22 pounds. It's solid metal. Um, it is so heavy. It is taller than I am, and it makes me so very excited. Uh, and then also, uh, I I bought a couch from Wayfair. Wayfair! Okay, got it, got it. Yeah, I was going to say, they have this one couch at Costco that she had gotten... And it's the single most comfortable couch that I've ever sat on in my life. And I love it. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. no. So mine, mine's coming this weekend and I'm very excited about it. So there, there may be a story. Super. I always make my uh, guesty bestie friend Kyle come over and help move furniture. And every time it has been a disaster. And uh, he's already on raccoon duty because Heather, I don't think we've ever talked, but there is a four foot raccoon that lives near my dumpster. And at night it will stand on its hind legs, get ready to fight you if you're not careful. So I can see your face. <laughs> We've got some baby raccoons, but like that is actually terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, it lives in the sewer. Like I watch it go down into the sewer. 
so um it's frightening. but anyway you know what's not frightening this episode has been absolutely amazing i thank you so much for a coming back again to help finish it out uh but b just coming on the show i hope you've had a good time i had a great time this is wonderful thank you you want to come back please we can talk about all good things all things love all All the things yeah Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have we have plans. We have plans to bring you back. I have lots yeah. of. I was actually, I again, I had some ideas this morning of some other topics that I think we're going to do. I'm very Fun. excited about it. That involve you, by the way. So, awesome. Awesome. oh my gosh! All right, let me do my shameless plugs. Everybody, here we go. Follow the show if you. Uh, is your first time listening to us um, minus the tech issues? Just remember, we're the home of the ninety nine cent podcast because again. That's all the quality I can afford to give you. So if you enjoyed it, make sure that you subscribe. We are on uh, most major platforms now for podcasts, uh, including some smaller ones and some in other countries. So you can definitely follow along there. Uh, If you want to listen to past episodes, you can definitely check us out at gabbingwithgason.com. It's the official website for the show. And um, if you want to support the show, there's multiple ways to do that. You can become a Patreon supporter. You can... um, you know, buy stuff off our Amazon wish list, or just simply share the show with your friends. Cause honestly, that's the biggest thing. And if you like the show, go ahead and give us a five-star review on Apple. Um, don't give me less than five stars. Okay. I deserve five stars. So, um, <laughs> and if you ever want to be on the show and I don't know you and you want to be the nexty guesty bestie co-host, shoot us an email at gabbywithgason.com. I will bring a stranger on my show. I can't wait to do that. That's a goal. That is a goal. So until next time, everyone, uh, remember, be loud, be proud, be bold, and be brave, and keep sharing your joy, because that's how we get through life's craziness. Heather, thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Hey there, my little holiday elves. It's me, Gason. Or as most of you know me by now, it's just Jason. Have you been looking for a year-long Christmas podcast that has just a small dash of... Alright, well, let's be honest, it's a big old dash of holiday-ness. Well, look no further. Come check out my other podcast, Keeping the Yuletide Gay with Gason. Join me each month all year long with my special guests like Mrs. Claus. Hello! Listen, I'll be teaching you how to make some amazing holiday treats. <laughs> oh my, while we drink some sherry. <laughs> Our favorite holiday queen, Christmas Carol. OMG, I'll be around to teach y'all about crafting and party planning. Mrs. Nesbitt. Oh my god, I'm new. I'm just here to tell you about holiday romance novels. Sometimes they make me get a little, you know, hot and bothered. Of course not, Ned. And each episode will feature one of my guesty besties and I stepping back in time to review a classic, or in most cases, a not-so-classic Christmas special. And just as a little note, our show is definitely not for younger listeners because we will be using some language that will definitely get us on Santa's naughty list. So join us now by listening and subscribing to Keeping the Yuletide Gay with Gason and help us to continue to put the mess in Christmas.